In a world dominated by in-depth tacticas, master spotlights, and battle reports, four men have taken it upon themselves to answer all of the questions that absolutely nobody is asking. Connor Rooney, previous UK Masters finalist, now a mere washed-up husk of his former self. Rich Keeling, the only person on the planet to have faction-hopped more times than he's actually played games. Peter Shepard, a man with more wooden spoons than the kitchen section of Ikea and Sebastian Humphreys, a player with no real accolades who was mainly brought in to record this voiceover. No agreements will be reached, no arguments will be left unmade. Just nearly 60 minutes of banal, unimportant battling with no real conclusion. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to High Fidelity. Hello everyone and welcome to High Fidelity episode 5 for real this time. I promised this was supposed to release closer to that April Fool's episode. It just didn't quite get done. Uh, it's been a little bit of a gap, sorry about that. People have moved house, people have got ill, people have gone to Disneyland. Um, some had more fun than others, clearly. And also a bit of sad news today, we are one quarter of our speaking voices and about 80% of our total body hair down because Rich uh, isn't able to make it tonight for a very valid and good reason that I won't go into. So, I'm joined tonight by Connor, say hey. Hello! And Peter, say hi. Hello. So this episode is a bit of a special one. We have our Facebook group that you should all go and join, and we took a vote on there over what people wanted us to cover and we decided we were actually going to do a special episode covering three mini-topics, all of which were voted for by our lovely fans over there. So, today we are going to be covering the best and worst generic upgrades in the game, uh, the best and worst fluff entries in the game, and the best and worst sculpts in the game. So, we'll kick it off without further ado with the best and worst generic upgrades in the game. So Peter, why don't you tell us your best generic upgrade in the entire game? My best generic upgrade in the entire game is Caesar Day, which is the Arcanist um, positive flip to initiative. It's, it, it's fairly simple. You get a positive flip to initiative as long as your master who's got the upgrade still has it. It's something that you base if you could spend a stone for it, you sort of would half the time anyway. So if you can get it for one stone for an upgrade, it's great. That's fair. and I take it all the time, so I have to. Okay. Um So Go on, Connor. Yeah, I th I thought you'd probably go with an Arcanist one as you're playing Arcanist these days. I can't they remember anything else faction. I've ever played. To be honest, they're probably <laughs> the best faction for generic upgrades, or at least they were before Wave Four. Um mm. But my the one argument I'd have against seize the day, although it's obviously a great bargain for a stone, it's the it may only cost a soul stone, but the uh, the cost of taking it is much higher because the opportunity cost is really big. Because one, you're basically taking this instead of arcane arcane reservoir, which is obviously the choice you made, and it is half the cost. Although personally, I'm not sure which I'd go. But the other thing is, a lot of masters just want their three upgrades and can't really afford to fit it in, which I guess would be the main argument against it. You're right, it's always a good one to tag on if you have a stone to spare, but I find it really hard to squeeze in on certain masters, mm. at least. 
I think so. And I think I, I, I really agree with Connor. I think it's just, it's really hard to justify spending. It's not really the soul stone. It's the upgrade slot for something that you can spend a soul stone mid game to do when it really matters. And I get that they can combine and they, they make it significantly more likely. The other issue is we are in a game where two factions can cheat the initiative flip. And as I'm sure everyone would agree, in general, a positive flip is not as good as the ability to cheat. But it so, adds to the chance that they're going to have to cheat. If I've got a positive, hmm. they've, that pushes a chance they're going to have to cheat, which is going to take a card out of their hand. See, I, like, like I say, I think it's a good upgrade. The only issue is I actually think uh, Imbued Energies is better from an Arcanist perspective. I'd probably agree there, although maybe not on a Master, but... It does have a lot more flexibility. It, I think it's that more. It's it's sort of that question of like evidently sometimes that initiative flip is really important, but a positive flip doesn't guarantee it. Whereas something like imbued energies, you know you're getting that one AP, or you're gonna get four cards. So if it's not even the best in the faction, I'm not sure it can be the best in general, especially because my choice is so much better. But. Uh, <laughs> Anything you want to add on? Sorry, we're going to have to breeze well, through these. Well, I think imbued energy is amazing, but it affects... It's a once. You mm. Realistically, you can get use out of this five turns out of a game. It's a whole game, bar when you lose your master, which can happen from turn one, and it's useless. But <laughs> it can affect an entire game. So it just you get a bit more bang for the, for the one stone than imbued energies. It's not as flashy. No. But this game is all about flashy things and flashy models. So, as I'm sure we'll cover later. Alright, well, to be fair, speaking of things that can last you the whole game and be incredibly useful, here's an upgrade that also does a lot to do with uh, positive flips, but something that is not just a one-hit wonder and is more of a choice, but can affect significantly more of the game, in my opinion. And I've gone with I Pay Better. Which uh, I am not surprised at all I, to hear that. No, because I adore it. I think people. I think sometimes people get this blind spot with it, where they think it, if it only affects one or two models, it's not worth it. The ability to focus when you need to, especially on certain models where that's really valuable, like Hannah, like Ionis, two models I have a major love affair with, like is just incredible. And you can, it lets you turn any card in your hand into something valuable, as well as mitigate a load of really rough things like hardcover and whatnot. Yeah, the the problem with I pay better is twofold for me. It, it's a good upgrade, but the big two weaknesses uh, for me is that it has to go on a henchman uh, or a master, but realistically, since your master's not a mercenary and won't be able to use it themselves, it's kind of an inefficient place to put it. So it's really got to be a henchman. And to be honest, I don't actually run henchmen that often in Outcasts. Do you uh, know? As we know, I'm a strong arm suit over Taylor fan. But uh, it's so good for I the strong really arm suit. Put it. <laughs> but you also your your primary outcast master um, is the Vix, right? Yeah. It's really out of all the outcast masters is the is the one where your upgrades are most fixed, especially if you're playing slingshot Vix, which I think you do. Yeah. But I would still never run it on any of the other masters either, just because if they end up on their own or you lose other people, it just doesn't do enough. But it's a 10-inch uh, aura. Maybe it's someone vast. who's sitting at the back like Hamlin, I could see. But I would never put it on someone like Von Schill, because if he goes off on his own, it's just not going to be that useful. The thing is, a 10-inch a aura is a really long way, though. Yeah, but it's easy to block if you're out of the way. Yeah, that's um, the thing the, with the, this the, one. The, if you 
block it, it's it's useless and you're just sitting there and it's not doing anything and it's not Which that is why it needs to, to be it. on someone who can use it. And that's the other thing. Is it works in specific builds, but if you're say playing um more thematic lists or a levy crew, uh which tend to be a lot fewer mercs, it loses a lot of its value. And at least with the last two books coming out, we're getting a lot more good outcast models, especially when you include the errata. Uh, that just can't benefit of it. Like, Rusty Alice can't, and the new and improved Montressor can't. And uh, I just, I, I, I find it situational. It is really strong, specifically on the two models you mentioned, Aeonis and Hannah. Mm. Uh, but I find, outside of them, it's a lot less useful. And the card, the discarding of a card is handy, but you can't really afford to do that more than once a turn, maybe twice if you have a garbage hand. Well, it's just, it allows you, in my opinion, to turn anything into something valuable. But also, if you're talking about um, the book, not Wave 4, because we didn't get a lot of mercs, but Wave 3, we got uh, a hell of a lot of mercs in the forms of the Crossroads 7. Uh, some yeah, of which that's are, true. Yeah, some of which are fantastic, some of which are not. Um, all right, mm. why don't we move on to you then, Connor? What could you possibly think is better? Uh, something that gives you a lot more plus flips, albeit for a shorter period of time, which is recalled training. Mm -hmm. So I probably, before I started playing Ten Thunders, I probably would have picked Imbued Energies because uh, the threat extension it gives and the fact that if you die, you get four cards, which is just bonkers, is really good. But having played a bit of Arcanist and now played a fair amount of Ten Thunders, I can say without a doubt that if I could take any upgrade from another faction and move it into Neverborn, it would be this one. Because I just find, now that I'm playing Neverborn again, I'm really struggling with my hand again, which I never had to do in Ten Thunders, because uh, you tend to... A lot of games tend to come down to one or two, usually two, but sometimes one big turns of combat. And this really lets you push that. And it makes you a lot less screwed over by a bad hand. So since it's plus flips on everything, you usually think of it as the plus to attack and damage, which is tends to be why and when I burn it. But the fact is that it also makes you able to take the retaliation a lot more, especially if you had to use your cards on the attack. It usually allows you to cheat later. And it even makes you better at stuff that you wouldn't think so. So since it's a plus to all flips, it also means you're on positive flips for soulstone damage prevention and for healing, and for all sorts of stuff that the, normally there's no way to get a plus flip on. That is just incredibly strong. I think I think it's brilliant, but it's like you say, it's for one turn, and then it's one and done. So evidently it's stronger than I pay better for that turn, for that model. But you also need to pay the same cost for each model that's going to take recall training, and then they only get the value the once. Evidently it's less resource intensive that one time. But it's you really need to get your value out of it there and then. Yeah, it's it's. I think in that way, it's a harder upgrade to use well because you actually need like you can burn it and just screw yourself over. But if you burn it at the right time, I had um, you know, you get basically say three attacks because it'll usually be on a model that can get a third attack in some way, whether that be a master, someone with reactivate or fast, especially in 10 thunders. So you're looking at three attacks, which means three plus flips on attack, three plus flips on damage, 
So that's basically like using I pay better three times in that one turn. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, you can use I pay better over three turns, but you're still getting the same value of it from that model. Bacon. And that doesn't even include all the defensive abilities that recall training brings, which I think in a lot of ways is the best part of it. But you could use I pay better on multiple models in the in those turns. And then, you know, for for the for the a single cost you know, a single cost. True, but you have to ditch a card for every time you do it. So realistically, I think getting it off more than twice a turn just doesn't happen. Except maybe turn one if you're running the sniper build. Mm. But I personally think that's a pretty niche scenario. The problem with recall training, it's only a small problem, but the problem with recall training is you've got to, it's got to be in your activation, you've got to discard it. So all it means is someone's going to go, okay, well, he's got recall training, I'm going to go for him straight away, hit him first before he gets it. So you're just putting a big target on yourself if they know, okay, he's going to do that, and then he's going to tear through me. I I guess my argument against that would basically be the fact that that's how your 10 thunders are anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Your hitting models tend not to be particularly sturdy. For the most part, um, unless you're rocking a Zamu, which I don't, um, then you tend to basically need to use your speed to get in and make a pretty strong strike quickly anyway. And I think recall training really helps with that. Because if that strike goes wrong, you're just screwed. Mm. Well, let's let's move on. I'm not convinced, evidently, because I'm not allowed to be. So let's head over to the worst generic upgrades in the game. And let's start again with Peter. What do you think are the worst? Uh, The worst generic upgrade, um, imbued protection. Ooh. Yeah, it's just hugely situational for two stones. And then you've got, okay, well, you need to have less than four defense for it to really be effective. And then... You discard it and you reduce damage by two, and it's just you don't you don't need less than four defense for it to be effective. It raises your defense regardless. Uh, yeah, but it's it's raises your defense for one two soul stones. It's raising your defense by one, and you can reduce reduce two damage. Which there's enough other ways you can spend a soul stone to reduce some damage. But this that I think is I think you've about made my point. A soul stone is worth. Like, people would happily spend a soul stone to prevent two damage and do all the time, right? Yep. So you're sort of spending one soul stone on your ability to, like... Granted, you can't spike it to three or the red joker, but most of the time, if you're flipping for damage prevention, unless it's a real Hail Mary, I'm going to lose otherwise, you're hoping to prevent one or two. You're guaranteeing the two. And you can do it in addition to uh, soul stone prevention as well. So so what but, does this buff your defense to if you're below again? It takes you to four if you're below four, and then buffs it oh. by one if you're four and above. And you can do but stuff not much. With... Yeah, but if you... Yeah, I thought it might have been five, but you which can... would have at least helped out the poor ice golem. <laughs> you can do it on, say, um, one thing I haven't tried, but would like to someday with markers, is if you're not taking the Trail of the Gods, you can take his other one, the God's Domain, I think it's called. And you can have him at defense eight every turn, just wandering around being a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's the... I, I've never actually seen that, but I have wanted to try it. But the place I have seen imbued energies, and I do actually see it. I think I faced it imbued fairly protection. recently. But the place I see it most often is with Mayfang to make her defense seven so she can get her trigger off easier. Mm-hmm. And on um, any kind of defense seven model, so you can make... 
You can make Miranda defense eight, although she's probably going to kill herself, so it's probably not worth it. But uh, I've seen it on Cassandra a fair bit to make her defense seven, I believe. Defense seven and, snow, snowstorm is terrifying. Well, no, the the real one though, and just because it's a hysterical image, is the uh, super nimble defense seven old man on a clock. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. You can't you can't bring Ionis into it because that's automatically Seb sold on that one. Done. Yeah. yeah. No, I I do really want to play a defense seven Aonis just because the idea of it is hysterical, especially run <laughs> run him with Sandeep and make him incorporeal as well, and just have all the bullshit. I'm going over here now. You can't fucking stop me. Yeah, I I actually I think imbued energies is definitely one of the Protection. lower <laughs> upgrades, but I I do think it does have a specific place. Mostly with defense six models, picking mm. them up to defense seven. I don't think I would ever bother on a model below defense six, but on defense six or seven models, it can make a big difference. Yeah, yeah. It means you're cheating with defense. I think in general, if you want to be able to beat um, beat an attacking model, you want to be one above their stat line. Whereas attackers usually only need to draw with you. Yeah. So and and, and that's the other thing I noticed while playing Thunders because I'm so used to in Neverborn having either Nikima or Teddy being my beater, which is a melee seven model. I'd forgotten that you know playing Gremlins and uh, Ten Thunders that. You know, defense seven is a lot stronger when your opponent has no attacks of seven. Yeah, which a lot of factions don't have that much access. Big to. beaters average out at around six in general. Like really, unless they're never born or some outcast. Outcasts builds. have a lot of seven as yeah, well. Big numbers, but aside from those two factions, lots and lots of them are six. Yeah. Right. Okay, why don't... Uh, let's move on to me, my worst upgrade. And uh, talking about two Soulstone upgrades that are meant for uh, meant for protection, but really don't get your money's worth. Uh, I went with Leadlined Coat, which is uh... the guild upgrade that costs two Soulstones to give you armor one. In a game where ignoring armor has basically become ubiquitous, and even at the best of times, armor one is not going to save you against the dedicated beta. Essentially, if they've got over minimum damage too. Yeah, I mean, ar- armor's good, and I think I think you overstate how common anti-armor is because you're an outcast player. Mm. Most factions have nowhere near that much anti-armor. But most so, factions uh, can bring. Well, every faction can bring some, but most factions now are being able to bring some internally. Yeah, but to faction. be honest, I don't think you tend to really bring it all that much against guild you might bring a model or two but not usually a ton because outside of peacekeeper you don't really see it that much um but yeah i mean it's it's not even the two stones for me it's the fact that it can't stack with other armor Mm. that's That's kind of lame yeah um but yeah i think it's definitely over costed but you know it still does something that's the thing is Plus defense and plus one armor is still a passive characteristic that will always do something, which is something that can be set, not said of all upgrades. Oh, and would you like to segue into one of those supposed upgrades, Mr. Yeah, Rudy? so this this is an upgrade that was once good, uh, but has been nerfed so long ago that it was before Peter and I started playing the game, which was in 2014, I believe. God. Um, so, yeah... I'm going with one of the first erratas of Mal- of M2E, which I think is one of the uh, trend of over-nerfing 
things that they have occasionally done, which is the Nexus of Power. So what this upgrade used to do, and it's it can only be on henchmen or enforcers, so you can't put it on a master where it would be a lot stronger. Um, and it's rare one, not that you would ever take more. But what it used to do is all friendly models within six inches uh, would heal two damage anytime they used a soul stone. So that's pretty good. It's situational. I mean, it, it's decent. But like realistically, how often are... Since your master can't hold it, unless they're chilling around near this thing. So, say, if, say for a crew I would run, it would be on Nakima. She would never really be that close to other things, but fine. Even still, like, if it's just when she stones to attack or stones for prevention or whatnot, healing two damage, pretty good. So, it was... The, the problem was, basically, that it was too strong on Hungering Darkness because he could stone for damage prevention, which after Incorporeal and healing two more made him too strong, apparently. This was, again, before I started playing, and when Lynch was really, uh, apparently This is before, good, before Lynch lost. With this same to thing. be fair, that, need, that needed nothing. <laughs> yeah, that, that one I think is fair. Yeah. This one I think would have been fine. Uh, but I, I, I do think it probably was too good, especially since it kind of nullified Aether Connection. Mm. Uh, but what they should have done was change it to whenever... A model within six inches uses a soul stone not for damage prevention. Yeah. And then it would have been fine. It would have been situational, and I'm not sure I would have taken it, but it would have been a debate on occasion, maybe. Do you want to tell However, me? what they did is they nerfed it in three separate ways. <laughs> they made it so it can't be on prevention flips. Mm -hmm. They made it so it's one or more soul stones. So if you're ever trying to stone for a plus flip and a suit, it used to heal you twice. Now it only heals you once. And they dropped it to heal one damage, which is basically completely worthless. But I... So what this now means is whenever you use a soul stone that is not on damage prevention is not stoning for cards because that's not a model doing it like so basically i would say once a game m maybe twice a game if this model is still alive and within a model within six inches that uses a stone that model will heal one damage wow that is really <laughs> worth one of those really precious upgrade slots but un Ugh. unlike the last two upgrades, it only costs one stone. And I get that it's not good. I don't imagine it is good. But it does. there's I've probably... I've literally never seen it. You can build around it. And this is like, I don't think it's good. But also, with um, something like Leadline Coat, you're paying two soul stones for what, what will result to be a similar sort of effect. Essentially, you want stuff to take less damage or have less damage on them long term. And I think you can build around it in such a way that you could get some value out of this. The, the big difference is Leadline Coat is already up, so you don't have to spend a stone every time you want to do something with it. And also, the fact is preventing one damage is a lot stronger than healing one damage. Mm. Just in general, because you can't heal if you're dead. But, <laughs> but the other thing is, if you can't use soul stones, if you're out of soul stones, if your master's using soul stones, but doesn't, and it's an aura, so if your master doesn't have line of sight, and within six inches is not a large aura. We were just talking about how big an aura ten inches is, but six is not that big. <sighs> and it's just, I cannot think of a single crew that would use this upgrade, and I've never seen well, it. Well, I think possibly now, with his rise to prominence, you might see it 
might being a very operative word. You could potentially see it and it would not be the most freaking awful thing ever to have spawned out of Malifaux's bowels in a Lucius crew because he spends a lot of soul stones to do things and doesn't mind doing it and then gets them back. But the problem is he can't hold it and you don't tend to take enforcers or henchmen very much. So the only the only enforcer I'd have in the crew is Doppelganger, and there are so many more important <laughs> things to have on Doppelganger. But you can now, but think about it. You've got the one that lets you turn stuff into upgrades. So you put that on her or Mr. Graves or whatever, and well, the then you swap it into this thing. That upgrade actually buffed Pact slightly, which is another upgrade that was bad, but has now taken a small jump over this. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably move we on. should probably move on. Yeah, my timer says we should. So. We're going to put, sorry, I should say we're going to put up a separate poll for each of these. So have a think about who was the best and the most correct and who was Seb Humphreys, because all those three are the same person. And we're going to move on now to the best and the worst fluff entries in Malifaux. So just to clarify, this is the little entry of fluff you get above a card. We're not going over the stories or anything like that. So starting again with Peter... Can you give me your best fluff entry and why in all of Malifaux? Uh, this won't be a surprise to many people. It's Molly. <laughs> yeah. Molly. Partly because she's the greatest character in Malifaux and the greatest model on the table. And she's great. Not that I'm flattering, <laughs> but she's great. No bias. But no bias at all. It It's just she's a, a slightly more a, than a lot of characters. She's slightly more well-rounded. She does have a full story from when she starts off and she's um Seamus, Seamus, whatever his name is, um, kills her and brings her back and then she becomes someone in her own right and she's just she's she's got a job, she's she's just good and it's just a clever and it's not cheap and it's not tacky and she just it works. And mm. that's just gonna be about it. It's just it's good, it works. It's a good story. Take <laughs> it out of Malifaux. It's still a good story. Molly's <laughs> story would work. You really missed out on a career as a as a book reviewer, you know that. That's it. There. Well, it, it, if you took Molly's story out and put it in a standalone Victorian steampunk esque setting, people would read it. There's mm. certain uh, other masters in the you, game. You think it's slightly better than the uh, the master that follows her in the book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, that's yeah. There's. Yeah, Re- reading those two back to back just reminds you how interesting Molly is compared to Karai. Well, Kar- Karai is just such a standard character. I agree. I love Molly's story, and Molly is so often the character I refer to when I get when I tell people how Malifaux is different from a fluff perspective. How not everyone is a big world-ending bad guy. And- Some of them just happen to be zombie journalists. And she pops up in other stories as well, and she always fits in because she is a journalist and she is. A bit, mm. She pops up and she's here and she's there and she's great. Yeah, that that would be my one argument against Molly's uh, fluff. To be honest, is just the fact that I don't think her little write ups actually that interesting. I mean, it it does tell her story pretty quickly, but it just reads a tad boring. And she's so interesting. Yeah, in some of the other things where the story with her. Uh, Seamus and Rasputina and Philip's head is just excellent. Yeah, and, um, and the assault on yeah, the Grey just, Lord is really good as and, well. And this is, I think, this is just generally. I just don't think a lot of the fluff entries are as good as they could be. But it's just, especially just the little blurbs, they get a little too uh, descriptive and a little not enough characterful enough. But, but we love you, Malifaux. Yeah. Please sponsor us. 
<gasps> dark sphere! I forgot dark sphere. <laughs> We're sponsored by dark sphere. I'll put it at the beginning. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> Who are we sponsored by? Dark sphere. Not weird yet. <coughs> Not weird yet. All right. Um, though that that is exactly what I think I would agree with. I think the I think she's excellent in the other stories, but I specifically knew you were going for Molly, which is why I made us specify the entries above a card, um, because I'm a duplicitous little bastard, and I think I don't think that entry is really what makes her so good. I think her story is one of the best, but it becomes so because of her interactions with the other characters in the Oops. stories. You're spoiled by how good all the others is. You don't. You just. You doesn't look as good. But <laughs> if you right. have all the others, it'd still be good. Okay. All right. Well, we I tell you, what I think mine is, and I think mine is very interesting internally with his, within his own entry, and also, although I won't go into it too much, is having a really interesting progressive story uh, from here on in, and in the other side. Um, and my the character I've gone with is the dreamer. Who interesting? Yeah. My favorite master. Your favorite master. One of my least favorite masters to play against, because um, <laughs> just because I have bad memories of being buried in Alps. I've actually played against Dreamer, like played properly. No offense, Rich, but he's not here, so I can insult him. And I didn't have as much trouble as when Marcus just drowned in a tide of Alps. Anyway, going off. Yeah, on they're attention. annoying. They really are. They're real pain in the ass. Um, I just think he's so cool, and as much as I say Molly is... Molly is a character I tell people about when I want to explain how Malifaux is different from other games, that not everyone is, like, a world-ending, really badass hero. Dreamer is someone I would talk to people about because I think it's such a cool idea. I talk to non-gamers about how, like, how Dreamer is as a character. He's the fact that he's this little earthbound boy who's so incredibly powerful from a magical perspective, but has no idea... And is literally, he thinks he's just, you know, poncing around in his own little dreamscape, whereas in reality, he's causing these horrific nightmares to become flesh and to tear into reality. I just think he's so cool. And I think it's so cool that the only character uh, up until Titania, who has a proven, uh, proven record of having overcome a tyrant, is like a nine-year-old boy or a 12-year-old boy or whatever he is. I just think that's. I awesome. think he's. I think he's eight or nine eight originally. Or nine. Yeah. I think now in the fluff he's like thirteen. Yeah. I I God I want that uh, that like uh, teenage dreamer model. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I, I debated it because dreamer's my favorite model in the game and the reason I started playing Malifaux. But when I actually read the paragraph, I was kind of disappointed. I was kind of uh, there. There's a fluff piece about dreamer walking through the streets, and I can't remember what book it's in i think it's actually the book he came out in uh and it's basically him just slowly murdering all these people while laughing Hmm. and um he just thinks he's playing and uh, i think teddy's hugging people as well and it's amazing and dark and twisted but i have a lot of the same problem uh as i do with molly and i think it's a book two entry (laughs) issue generally which is that just nothing not it's too explainy and too dry and there's no excitement and it's just the writing style it's just uh, it's just not exciting and it's just like this should be exciting it's amazing and everything he does is fascinating but you don't get to hear it's it's the narrator perspective you don't get to hear from dreamer and you don't get to hear from chompy Mm. 
And I, I don't know. I, I want to hear Chompy's voice. Like, whenever you hear Chompy in the fluff, it's far more interesting. Well, for, like, planned future super-secret projects, I realize I can't do a uh, dreamer voice. But I probably yeah, can with a little work. Do a ch- <laughs> well, you need a woman to play that part, really. But I can do a... Uh, I can probably do a chompy voice at some point in the future. Yeah, like, e- even just the fluff that comes later in this, where ch- where uh, Dreamer's... Um, messing with a bunch of people it's pretty funny yeah well I, I, I don't know I just think he's awesome I think that little bit about having this tyrant who is uber powerful and just like la- tries to latch onto this psychic presence and then I mean, finds himself don't, entirely don't get cow. me wrong I mean he's the reason I started playing I just don't think that piece of fluff is see the big problem the with Dreamer is even the, the, the other fluff's good this one's a bit dry and a bit but Dreamer's just a bit of a twatty kid you can't get away <laughs> oh, from that's not true. Oh, if he's dreaming and laughing about killing people, not, you can't imagine he's well-adjusted when he's awake. No, no, he, he, he is absolutely a And I do have a problem I mean, with now there the fact is no that question. he's a teenager, are his dreams going to go slightly more towards the... Uh, the Bells and Beckoner section, which is going to make... Yeah, I'm really hoping they don't... No, 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 no. Also, like, maybe... But maybe your own paranoia is creeping in because you're the only one uh, out of any of us with a kid. So, (laughs) maybe you're you're just worried. My kid was Dreamer, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, that would be that would be kind of terrifying, yeah, and yeah. he absolutely would be a terrible child. <laughs> yeah, absolutely a terrible child. All right, Connor. Before we get to subject, why don't we move on to your choice for the uh, best fluff in all of that? Yeah. So, so my favorite fluff entry of all of them is not my necessarily my favorite character, which is probably Dreamer. Yeah. Uh, but it's I think with book three. The fluff writing, especially in the bios, got a lot stronger. Mm. And uh, the one I always remember for just, oh, it's just great, is Hayredden. And it's an odd choice because it's a faction I don't play and a model I've only faced once. And honestly, the Nephilim are probably my least favorite aesthetic of the Neverborn. Mm. But the language in this is just awesome. It is a step it, like, above the fir- I just The first sentence, the first sentence is, as Hayredden cradled the last of his followers in his arms, he was helpless as the flesh fell from its bones, the black blood sizzling and smoking on the rocky ground beneath him. And the uh, and it ends with Hayredden screamed after... And in between there is, of course, the fact him begging Lilith to kill him and her basically being like, no, you're going to be cursed to live and suffer through the fact that I just killed your brother. And it's... It's just amazing. Like, it's probably the best Lilith fluff, <laughs> um, which is awesome. And you just see this guy who's basically a, a you know, he's a, he's a scientist, a magician. He's trying to, trying to expand what we know of life and this, you know, this, like, old-fashioned matriarchal figure murders his brother and makes him watch... And leaves him to live because he refuses. She refuses to accept any sort of change and clings to the old ways. And there's just so much in there. There's the, and, but really, it's just the language is so good, and it's an actual conversation between two characters where you learn more about both of them instead of it just being a narrative about what the character's background story is. 
which I personally think is a lot more interesting. You've stumbled across something that I both like that I have such a love hate relationship with, and it's sort of a different problem in Malifaux, which is in Malifaux, sometimes you really have to go hunting for the story. And like it can be, you know, sometimes quite difficult to find where all the sort of is essential plot information is. And with Hayredin, that's what I found. So I got into Malifaux a lot later than you guys, and uh, book three had already released. And I remember reading through and going like, "Where, where is this story? Where does it tell me about this? Like, I can't, I can't find it." And that little section is awesome, but it left me with more questions than like. I don't want to say more questions than answers, which can be a good thing, but it left me with just with a lot of questions that I couldn't find an answer to or something. It it promised a story that I didn't find delivered elsewhere. So it whilst the language like it was really good. link up to another story somewhere else in the book and it just never does. Yeah, which is which is intensely frustrating. So even though yeah, I'd I, agree... I would argue that that is a problem. Um, well, if you dislike it. Well, it's definitely an ongoing problem in all these books. I like I, when you compare them to, say, other games. <clears throat> Guild Ball. Which, oh, uh, he lost the which bet. Have a, he lost which the have bet. a like cohesive long narrative. Let's take a shot, um, Connor. They, um, I mean, it's just. It, I'm not saying one's better than the other because uh, when you have a long narrative, it does tie you into certain things. Uh, but yeah, there are a lot of like, really interesting stories in Malifaux that just go nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and I'm kind of hoping, with Dreamer getting older, we do start to see the plot advance a bit more, which we did in book four. Yes, the plot the plot has started to advance. The, the only thing is, like, that the plot advancing great, but that is a story about Hayredin that's kind of related to something that's already happened. I like my worlds to be bigger than the stories that are told. Like, I like, I like something like Game of Thrones, because I feel this, the narrative that's being told is uh, massively outweighed by just how much of a world there is that you can delve into if you really want to, but it isn't all just over-explained to you uh, in the books or in, or in the series. I just feel like sometimes it's like, oh, wow, I really I want to get into this. I want to know more about Herodin, and I can't. And that's frustrating. Yet. You can't yet. Yeah, but it's like, it's we'll sort of implying something's somewhere. already happened that I, that I just don't get to know enough about. If I'm Yeah, but I mean, it's also not quite confit fair comparing him to of course the uh the masters are going to have more external storylines yeah but you you're not going to every guy. enforcer having like a taylor level or story well that's another issue because herodin really should be a master and i'm sure in the next edition of malifaux he will be right mollusk has been uh demanding him to be in uh reser i think i think he i i completely agree i think he's the character i'd most want to transfer into a master i would agree i think he would be really cool yeah he would be awesome anyway let's move on to the uh, worst fluff in all of Malifaux. So let's start with Peter. Having talked about some of the best, most interesting stories, what really sucks? Um, back to yeah. Arcanists. Shocking, because <laughs> my brain only has one track. Um, and it is Mech Rider. <laughs> I can't remember the fluff. <laughs> yeah, that, I have no, no idea what her fluff is. Her basic fluff is she's a random woman on a horse who shows up and then disappears and that's about it (laughs) (laughs) to be fair to be fair that is twice as much as some characters do because some characters just inexplicably show up and then don't bother to leave it's all the i've got a problem with all the riders generally and i'm I'm quite vocal about the fact that i the whole rider thing just doesn't quite work Mm. um but it's just yeah a 
the whole according to legend and then it's just a woman riding a mechanical horse uh, in the wild has been has sparked a great deal of discussion in old legends no it's it's <laughs> just, just say there's a cook a great woman on a horse she comes along stabs people with spit that would be quicker rather this is than I, I do sort of agree that I find it surprising in the steampunk world of Malifaux where there are like people are quite happy to accept the existence of like giant tentacled robot monsters yeah. and robot dogs that leap on people and robot flying bats that they see a woman riding a robot horse. A woman, and that a really woman gets in a metal bikini for no reason riding a robot horse. And it's... I thought you said she was a woman. That's the only reason for bikinis, right? Oh, Game design, um, not oh, metal. <laughs> Can we not go down this road? We haven't released content in a while. The last thing I released was an entire episode of Fuck Pandora, so <laughs> I don't think we can afford to lose any more viewers. Aren't we just this doing is... that every other time now? Just every well, other I, podcast. Yeah. Oh no this this entire audio track is going to be overlaid with exactly the same thing as before. It's a backing track. It is now our official backing track. I'm replacing the intro. So, so I was going to argue that the pale rider is worse because I think the model's worse and the idea behind it's worse. But then I actually looked up the um, the fluff for that, and I just love the idea that these people saw a pale rider while following a silhouette around. Yeah. As in, why would I? I kind of want to know why these people were just following this silhouette. How were they following a silhouette? That thing can leap seven inches. Yeah. And then double walk. I don't know. <laughs> And you can't target it without line of sight. I know. So I don't know. It's, a, it's quite anyway. impressive. Yeah, Me- Mech Rider's pretty dull, but I mean, she doesn't yeah, even I, get, I, do anything in the fluff. She just it's just a she shows up when there's a fight, gets in a fight, and wanders off. I guess the, I I do kind of like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse motif. I don't think it's very well executed, exactly. but I do like that motif. All right. So that's all I got. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on um, because I can't think of a reasonable argument and I'm not allowed to agree. So uh, going on to my choice, whilst there is more written about her elsewhere, if we're talking purely in the fluff entry, someone that promises would you think would promise so much, but if you actually go and read the entry, is really dull. Is Lady Justice? Ooh. I debated that one as well. Not so a single I. thing about her character is referred to in that beyond the slightly vague description of they practice the magic that, to fight the undead but pay a heavy price, which is well, never I explained. I find her quite boring in most of she's, the fluff. Though, she's quite boring in most of the fluff, but in this, they don't actually even mention she's blind. They just say that's the, the thing of her office, and they explain that she's a skilled sort, like, swordswoman and with a pistol they essentially talk about what she could potentially do without adding a moat of interest and this is a master which i think doubles down on the sins in a game of really really interesting concepts in terms of characters um on all sides of the spectrum she is so bland and generic in that entry and sorry in general and then in that entry, they do nothing to compensate that or add even like the m- most remote tint of flavour to it. She screams of a model that had a model, and then they think oh, we've got to, we've got to do something to go with it. We've got to, we've got to pad it out a bit. We've got this model. Let's put. And it is a great sculpt. Yeah, and a cool. Model. Horrible. Well, to be that's honest. a discussion for later. <laughs> 
All right, well, I was kind of curious if we'd all go down the same path or if someone would go for some of the idiotic gremlin fluff or, like, the really, like, over-the-top stupid stuff, but I think we all did go for the really just, wow, Boring. this is dull choice. Although, uh, I think we I'm could... going back to Arcanists. Back to Arcanists. Poor Arcanists. Yeah, and I like how we're both sticking with the first two books on this as well. Yeah. Um, there was a dramatic improvement and, in the last and, two. And I'm going with a model that I do not like any of the, well, until recently at least, I have not liked any of the sculpts for. And I also do not like the fluff in anywhere for, and this in particular, I just dislike. And that is Joss. Ugh. So... There's a couple things that annoy me about this. One is he sounds like a lackey. The whole and not in a fun like Mortimer way where you can see either like Sebastian's an idiot and Mortimer's kind of scheming to over overthrow Nicodem. And I quite like that. <laughs> but Joss is this big tough guy and he's supposed to be this really independent scary guy. And basically all the fluff said is that he does what Ramos tells him. <laughs> and, like the fluff literally talks about Ramos's skill is great enough to give Joss control over his new parts without the man understanding how it works himself. <laughs> his fluff is literally about how great Ramos is. And it's not like Joss is the and only like, one with a robot arm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... There's a more interesting thing, character his, with his the robot His fluff makes arm. him come off as... as, um, as a minion. And, on, and basically all it says about his past is that he had a quote-unquote tribal history... Which, I'm not even going to bother touching that, but yeah. Like, okay, it is the most vague, vague uh, attempt well, at, yeah. at adding some diversity to the game. Not that this game suffers too badly, there's at least an amount of it compared to some games. Um, but you've got to kind of acknowledge when they're at least they're going to take a character who is prominent and say, okay, so maybe we'll make him... Um, Native American, which is quite an underrepresented group in wargaming in general, not so much in Malifaux. I, I agree that about Joss, it's boring, but it does add something to Ramos's story. And this was a this was a the, a discussion on the best and the worst fluff entries above cards. There was nothing saying it had to be the best explanation of who that character was. But it all it had to do was even. Yeah, with but the... it doesn't really add anything to Ramos's story. It's that's like every time Ramos is mentioned, including in his own fluff, it's like yes, he's good with mechanics. <laughs> all right, well, then... and manipulates what, people. What were you saying? Peter? That's what he all does. All Joss's fluff needs to do is mention the fact, the brilliant fact that they go from first edition where he's got two functioning arms, the fluff in between, he loses an arm, and now he's got a robot arm, and it changes. The model changes. The fluff changes. He becomes. If that, you could fit that in that little section. That would work. Oh, easily. They yeah. could have given him that story. That, they could have given him his actual tribal history kind of probably could have been interesting. That would have been like, interesting. Is, are, is, the, is there a Native American tribe in Malifaux? Did he come over by himself? Like, what happened with his tribe? Like, there's lots of interesting stories that could be done. It just it it ends up being half about Ramos and the rest about being he's big and strong because he's big and strong. Yeah, but the thing is, like, he's sort of similar to Lady Justice. The difference being, he actually is a minion, whereas Lady Justice is sort of well, supposed to be. Henchman. Well, no, I mean, he actually, he, you know, he is a he's a he minion a of Ramos, a lackey of Ramos. That is that is his role in the fluff. Whereas Lady Justice has more about her supposedly going on, but she gets about the same level of treatment as Joss does, just over a slightly longer section because she's got a longer page on the book. 
Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, it actually does talk about the fact that she's focused on undead. Yeah, but it doesn't, like, how? Do you know what I mean? She, it doesn't go into that at all, apart from... It's essentially told you her department. It's like, you know, it's, it's like if you, if you go on... It's like if you go on a first date and so you say... And someone says, you know, and you say to the person, Oh, what do you do? And they go... I can't oh, yeah, update. yeah. I work. I, I I work in sewers in the council, and then that's it. They don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't go into like anything more. Or I, that I picked a really bad example there. <laughs> that was a random one. But... I've been watching too much Parks and Recreation. I was trying to avoid Parks and Recreation. Right. Let's move on to sculpts because time. Um. So Peter, best sculpt in. Best... Wait, 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 wait. Let me guess this. I'm gonna guess Rogue Necromancy. No, not even oh. close. Not even the <laughs> right faction. The best scope <laughs> is an odd, a tiny little one that you overlook if you don't, if you haven't painted it, you wouldn't notice how great it is, and that's a soul porter. Is a, he's oh, a tiny little, beautiful. but there's so much. If you have a start having a look, you notice he's all folded up, and he's got, it's sort of. He could be so he's a little height to squatted down minion. If he stood up, he'd be incredibly impressive. But he's all folded down, and he just works exactly what he's meant to do. He does. He's got he's amazing to paint because you can do lots of effects with the little lanterns and whatnot. But he's just a, a a compact every. There's nothing there that doesn't need to be, and it's not missing anything, which is all you want for a model. It does everything it needs to. It's a really it's a really nice sculpt. Though you're wrong, it is the, it is the same faction as the Rogue Necro. The yeah, he's got a good point. Yeah. Not in the book, it's not. <laughs> not well, not different sitting in the same. I uh, I I eh. I mean, it's all right. It's it's not my favorite. If I you think said to me, d- swap that for Yanlo as the master of the faction, but stand him up, I'd do it. Is is better than y- Yanlo? Well, I think I think it would be better if he was. Cr- crunched over like that if he was a master yeah i i, I really like the sculpt like i can't i can't deny it i really yeah, like the sculpt I, it's a bit it's a bit plain for me and this might just be my personal bias towards uh not as many flat surfaces because i'm not as good a painter as you are peter uh whereas like for me when i see lots of like plain not rippled cloaks and a giant hat i'm just like nah. It kind of looks a bit dull to paint, um, although I'm sure I'll end up getting him at some point because he, him and Yonlo are a lot of fun to paint. Yeah, yeah, I, I, think, um, I think he's really cool looking. I just, we're talking about the best sculpt in a game of very good sculpts, and I think he's up there in that sort of top bracket. It's not, it's not the but, model I would show people to explain Malifaux. Yeah, I, that, I think that is the perfect way of saying it. It's it's a really nice sculpt when you kind of know the game, and you're like, that guy just, like, he adds a little something extra. But if I'm just talking about, like, the one I'm going to talk about in just a moment is the sculpt that sold me on the game in the first place, even though it's a fact. I will I also play. be talking about the sculpt that sold me on the game. Yeah, <laughs> so just to segue straight into that, this is a sculpt that I think perfectly encapsulates the character of the faction, as well as sort of that tongue-in-cheek humour of the game in general, as well as just looking generally beautiful. And that is the Pigapult. Oh, I thought you were going to go Rotten Bells as soon as you said beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> no, Conrad, just have better taste. Oh, um, God. Pigapult, the... you filthmonger. Well, hey, look, I don't I don't play it. I spend, I've spent large hours in conversation about how I'll take Hans just to kill it. But the... It's 
I just think it's beautiful. Like everything about that sculpt really encapsulates gremlins in general. The, like it, it is, I love things that are just what they say on the tin, especially if it's something as ridiculous as like the pickapole. And also the smallest detail that really gets me is the fact that he's got this frying pan helmet on and then he's got the telescope held up between the, like with the frying pan between his eye and the telescope. So it's like on top of everything else, he just, he's doing what he thinks he should do, but he see, can't actually see. My problem with the pickapole is it's, it's great as a, if you stood it on its own, it's great. You put it with all the other gremlins and they're all a bit ramshackle and a bit, and then you've got this perfectly built, Pigapole. They've got sca- scavenged guns and sort of broken swords, and they've got. Yeah, a, it a is working... a bit high quality, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's just they've decided. You know what? We can't. We can't tie shoes. We can't get dressed. <laughs> we have no noses, but we can build a fully functioning repeating catapult. And it just doesn't. I mean, just my, a bit my clean. big issue. My big issue with it is actually the sculpt of the pig is not the best. Oh, see, I um, love the, the pig. He just looks, pig. he looks so grumpy. No, no. I mean, he looks good, but if you've ever actually seen that model, the mold lines are just brutal. Well, considering we just oh. had we just had reference to something that came in that comes in the same box as Yanlo's beard, maybe. Uh... Which I think, oh, Yanlo's oh, we're going beard on is models overrated. to build. This is good completely different argument if we're yeah that is a very different argument a week to build yeah no I'm, I, uh, I, don't... I just no but but for me that's a big part of it like not not so much on those beard or gremlin feet because once they're on they look fine but for me like bad bad mold lines and bad sculpt design often is what leads me to disliking a model but because you can always you can still clean see it, it after it's painted okay now granted i might not be an authority on what looks good once it's been painted but seen <laughs> in my ex- he plays rich enough to see painted. I see yeah. lots of painted models because I've been to Rich's house. Um, <laughs> seen all the models. I've seen probably every model currently on release, and I don't even mean from Malifaux. I mean just in general, <laughs> just every, just every game. Like, like you know, not even not even limited to wargaming. I feel like he's got some kind of Athenian sculpture in there somewhere that he's painted up. Yeah. Um, it's. I think you. If we're talking about just sculpts, we're going to assume you can get them to the best level they can be without conversions, and that means clean and whatnot. And I just think it just has so much character. I can't dislike. I can't find a single thing to dislike it. The, even the other now. thing for me though is just personally, gremlins are not my favorite aesthetic in the game. I'd probably put guild at the bottom, and uh, just because the western thing does nothing for me, and then gremlins are probably close after that. Mm. They're at least way behind the uh, my favorites, which are of course Neverborn and then probably Resurrection. Well, why don't we talk about your favorite aesthetic Neverborn model then? Yes. So the reason I got into the game was twofold. One was the fluff and look of Dreamer, but but the reason I will not pick Dreamer or Chompy bits is because those actual sculpts are kind of terrible. Um, as much as I love the raise the roof metal chompy, I liked, I liked uh, doing chompy. his little dance. I don't like. Um, um, I don't like Dreamer, but I like chompy. Yeah, I mean, I love, I love his fluff and his artwork, but the model, the metal one's not great, and I actually think the plastic one really oversized him, and it kind of ruined it. Um, but anyway. Uh, the other thing that got me into the game was the little box that was right beside Dreamer, which I still use to this day and is still my favorite model in Malifaux, which is Teddy. 
the original metal teddy. Because, my God, that is a perfect model. Oh, it's so yes, good. it's a bit flat because he's a metal sculpt and he had to come out of the thing. But for me, it's not too flat. And those beady eyes and that creepy smile with the big heart on his tummy is just the creepiest... Like, it, it, it perfectly encapsulates everything about Neverborn for me. It's, like, it's incredibly creepy and violent, but also cuddly and happy. And it's inspired basically my whole hobby. Um, and I love it. And it's an amazing sculpt. And it's... I think they've got five Teddy sculpts now, or there, four? Yeah, four, I think. Um, and it's many. still my favorite of all of them, even though, shout out to Nightmare Teddy, which is just incredible. I, but. okay, if I, even though I, even though I set the rules on this one, I forgot to specify that we weren't doing old sculpts, and Connor delivered his choice like five minutes before we started recording, so I'm going to basically <laughs> call cheat. <laughs> But yeah, I love it. It is my favourite of the Teddy sculpts. It's just not my favourite. And in fact, it actually is one of my favourite kind of Malifaux models. And I remember, because I did briefly play first edition for like eight. I really want them to make this, even though it doesn't matter for me because I already have it. I really want them to make this like they did with the the Masters for Guilders. If I could have one model they could do a re-sculpt of in plastic that was just a complete remake it would be this one yeah I, I you know i think it's i think it's the i think it's the best teddy i just don't think it's the best sculpt and it's like it's literally just that tiny detail of it being just a smidge too flat and i understand that it had to be and i still th- like i don't think it it makes it a model that i wouldn't want to use at all it's just it would be perfect and it would be far away my choice as well if it was just a little bit thicker see i actually think the plastic teddy's too big I, I agree. There's a, there's a midpoint. I think yeah. there's a there's, there's a happy medium. I just every time I see his smiling face, it just makes me want to play Malifaux. Yeah, but that's because it's it smiley, has... creepy, creepy face. Are you are you aware you have exactly the same face when your opponent flips a black Joker? <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, let's move on to the worst sculpts in Malifaux. This oh, also just a oh. quick comment. Yeah. The the artwork people have been able to do on that heart both make me smile and makes me despair that I will never be able to paint that well. Well, at least you can paint. Um, yeah. I can actually, I can paint decently, I just don't. Uh, the, okay, no one's ever on. seen you paint. Sorry, no one, yeah, no one's ever seen me paint. It's like, you know, it, it's, like a, it's like a black swan, right? I, it does exist. It just is... You You never see one if you grow up in the UK. Um, okay. Worst... I'm assuming we're back to me. We're uh, back to you. Worst sculpt wasn't... It, it was between two, but the very worst sculpt is Miranda. <gasps> I hate you. One... I'd actually forgotten you picked that. <laughs> one... But she looks like a juggler. Oh, wait, the new one. Yeah. One... <laughs> she doesn't make any sense for the story. Why she's got a stupid little mask on? And pigtails doesn't make any sense at all. Two, what's going on with her tiny little stretched foot leg thing that doesn't fit? She's just this screw. The original one looks like this sort of slightly badass sort of hippie woman standing out there, feathers and thing. And this one just looks like let's just have a girl squatting in the woods. And that's about <laughs> it. It's, it's a girl squatting. She can turn into any animal she wants, and effectively, she's in. 
a little bit of cloth with a pot on her head squatting in the woods with a but deformed leg. It's, it's like it's like the Incredible sense. Hulk, isn't it? I, ima- I imagine those. I imagine she invariably ends up with that sort of like that loin cloth and that loin bikini. No, that's not right. Bikini cloth. <laughs> when she turns into her saber tooth form as well, or whatever other what animal she. They could have done her one standing like the old one was absolutely fine, or a little bit more dynamic. But it's like the, the old one's a little weird because it does look like she's about to start juggling. But, but yes. this one looks like she's had her leg taken off and the foot just added onto the hip. She's oh. just got this massive man's foot. I totally forgot how uh, how bad that. And then it's I the really thing that like really it. bugs me is the little pot on her head, oh. which there's no. Why is she wearing a mask? She. She's a shapeshifter who lives <laughs> in the forest. Yet she has a daredevil's mask on for no reason. Okay, I think I agree. The mask is a bit. I I feel like I'm crazy because I think this sculpt is really good. Like I would put it's, this up in like kind of top man sculpts. See, I'm a so the artwork probably looked amazing. They probably oh we'll do this and we'll do this and should be, and then it got made. The helmet the, makes no. The sense. helmet makes no sense, and. There's so many. If they and could the do pigtails. a nightmare for, if they could do a nightmare, Marcus in general, because it's screaming for it. There's so many things. But just mm. a nightmare with it, where she's sort of, she can turn into an animal, make her turn into, make her partly turn into an animal. Just yeah. make, just make her not look like a little girl squatting in the woods having a shit. Okay, I, I agree it. on the pigtails and the mask. I agree on the pigtails and the mask. But I think that pose, like it, kind of, she's got, especially since she's like most often, at least in my experience, turns into a saber tooth Cerberus. She's got that sort of lithe cat-like. But it doesn't on. work because the legs deformed. The legs, it must, <laughs> it's just, it must have been a concept where they've looked at it straight on and go, oh, that works. Let's turn it slightly. Oh, no, the leg's still just as short, no matter what angle you turn it from. It's just short and tiny and wrong. Okay, so I studied Greek art and architecture, and there's a really famous statue uh, called the Discobolos, which everyone will have seen, which is the guy basically like swung over, so he's like sort of bent double with the discus behind his back. That one of the most famous pieces of art ever produced looks terrible from any other angle. That's why you will always see it from that angle. It doesn't work, and I think oh, it's this the looks same terrible from any angle apart from <laughs> with a cup over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, uh, talking about uh, things like discus and stuff like that. God, these segues are getting ha- completely ham-handed. Um, Oh, why are you doing a segue? Who are we sponsored by? Darksphere. That wasn't a segue. <laughs> that was just an announcement. I'll own that one. Sponsored by Darksphere, everyone. Go to Lambeth North, which is now on the same tube line that I'm on. I'll so, be there tomorrow night, but you won't have heard this. I'll be frightened. But I could by... be there by the tomorrow night when you do hear this. I... <laughs> That's I a like weird... It. If it does link up, that's a brilliant coincidence for someone. Would be brilliant, <laughs> wouldn't it? Uh... <laughs> um... um... Someone who looks like he's uh, DJing badly at a club uh, is Lazarus, the oh, the, oh God. the original Lazarus sculpt, which in a game where like where you can really feel the dynamism of models, uh, sometimes almost too much, he is just the most generically boring sculpt that looks like GW produced it 15, 20 years ago. 
is just sort of... I think you're not giving enough credit to GW. No, GW, no, GW does amazing <laughs> sculpts now, but I'm talking about, like, sort of their old metal, like, dreadnoughts. No, I'm, I'm thinking you like... gotta go, like, 30 years ago. Yeah, well, oh, maybe my timeline's a little screwy, but you know what I mean? Like, those kind of, those old-school metal models where everyone's sort of arms are held out, like, they're, you know, they're... Yeah, the Tyranid Warriors were a really good example. Yeah. The original Tyranid yeah. Warriors. Yeah, and they... And GW produced beautiful sculpts now. Other problems with the company, but beautiful Scots. Um, the he just he's just boring. He's boring, and he's a really cool character in the fluff. Like, is this interesting rebellious robot that looks like he could have a really cool sculpt and is about to get a cool alternate? Great fluff too. Yeah, great fluff, great fluff. But just dull. It's just, there's not much to say about it. Like, I think his head looks cool, but aside from that, and there's not dull. even too much you can do with it because it's such a. No, there's Great not. big and you it's so static and it's so yeah. sort of goes together. But it's almost there. It's a it's a big monstery machine thing, so it's got it's got that going for it. And I like I actually think he's I really like Lazarus's head. Yeah, I really like, I do I actually like think his he's head. got a really cool <laughs> everything about him except for the execution. The yeah. picture in the book so and like his arms it. are cool. Yeah. His legs are fine. It's just they don't all work as one. No. The picture in the book where it cuts it down the middle, he looks great because it's just you don't... You, it's slight angle and you don't get all the rubbish standing there. But it's there also like, his, his, his gun is lowered in that and he just... He looks like he's like... Um, not deactivated, but sort of like waiting and he's got that sort of still deadliness to him that I, like, I really like. Just the... The pose is just boring. It doesn't. They haven't even factored in, which they're really good at doing on most sculpts, like kickback from his gun or something, which I think would look really cool. And seeing what they can do with that alternate, it just pisses me off that I own the um, that I own the current one. Have we? Has anyone seen? I'm going to ask on here. Someone can tell me. Anyone seen what's happening with the alt Lazarus? Yeah, I think that's no, going to be one of those. No I think that will be one of their most popular alt models, just because. Oh, I really hope they put it in the guild. It's sort of like Hammer, isn't it? Which. If we um, want to listen to this and send me one, I'm quite happy for that to happen. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Yeah, sadly, sadly, Hannah's the one model we'll never get because it was a Kickstarter exclusive. Yeah. So it's the only one they can't. If someone wants to send me one of them as well, I'll, I'll yeah. be yeah. Yes, I would also take. We one take donations, them. guys. Really, we do. Um, especially me. Not just Hannah models. Like furniture would be great. Uh, Okay, uh, let's move on to you then, Connor, so we can wrap this thing up before it gets too late. All right, so I'm going down a bit of a different path from you guys who chose poorly executed sculpts. Um, I think both of you like the art and like the idea, but don't like the execution. And I've basically gone down the other way, where they actually execute this fine, but it's the design and everything it represents that is hateful to me, and it's my least favorite thing in the game, and that is the new plastic Ronin. And I know this will be controversial. <sighs> it's um... I hate these models. I loved the original Ronin. They felt like straight out of like a westerny, like fire. You just told us you hate thing. westerns. They had... they... <laughs> they... Mm-hmm. You just told us you didn't dislike the western. Um... Design, yeah, but it, it's it's the western. I don't. I dislike the classic western, but I right. like the western sci-fi thing. Um, I I don't know. It's it's like the original Ronin are a very Malifaux thing. They're like a mix of ninjas, western, and sci-fi, and have a very Firefly feel or other 
similar type shows. Uh, and the new Ronin are basically sexy Japanese schoolgirls from a film like Sucker Punch, which is an abomination. Yeah. And all I can think of is that they're in booty shorts and miniskirts and they have freaking garter belts on and they're like posing all scantily and they've got those annoyingly childish pigtails on one of them. And it's just, it really bothers Someone me. Someone at Malifaux does like pigtails. It, it comes up it's, too it's, often. Yeah, it's a bit I of mean, fetish, it, it, really, it? it really does bother me. They they took some of the really interesting characterful sculpts that looked like three different girls with three different backstories and made them into this stereotypical boring done a million times overly sexualized archetype of like the feminine badass japanese fighter and i just and they already had that with oiren and they executed it so much better with oiren so why do it again and it oh here's, I just, I, here's something i, I do response. think though because this is very much in a steampunk game and growing up in camden which is really is one of like the certainly was one of the punk capitals of London. Um, I see a lot of people, you know, kind of dressed up like that with that sort of aesthetic. I'm not saying that go like that describes every punk. Like I would, that's not my world. I wouldn't really know, but I see a lot of people kind of dressed in that sort of, um, I'm trying to search for the words without making a horrible ass of myself. If you, if you saw people dressed like that in public, they would be arrested for indecent exposure. No, like you I see it all the time. You wouldn't that... fight in that. That's uh, if you're going out. If no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't fight in that. Fight. But there's a lot. There's a lot of things in Malifaux you wouldn't fight for in. Higher. They are not prostitutes. No, like the but I think I think they have that kind of punky look, or at least some of the sculpts have that like punky look to them. That you know that sort of glam that... punk type thing that is like there's sort of a place that I don't think they just look like. Uh, I do think I. I think they are over sexualized but i don't think that like they're completely worthless sculpts or you can't i think um i'm trying to remember which one it is it's the one with her sword planted in the ground that's got uh, that actually has the two pigtails that i think has kind of like a badass come get me type like come, come at me a pair me of trousers on her and she's fixed I, I that's all you have to that. do with that just put a pair of trousers on her yeah and she works well personally i don't like the hair but i could deal with the hair but mm. i agree it's it's the garter belts like really <laughs> But, uh, but you need lots of belts on models in Malifaux. You do. Like, Malifaux so, models wear lots of belts. Like you said, Connor, they're not executed badly. They're, they're solid models, but they're there to... Yeah, they've done a good job They're with there them, to catch but, someone's uh, eye on the shelf. They're there to catch a particular sort of gamer's eye sitting on the shelf in a shop and goes, I'm going to They're basically them. everything I... They're everything I hate about the hobby, basically. But I don't... Um, and, and, and I want to say, like, Weird makes a lot of really cool models and a lot of good female models. I just think... Yeah. Especially since they had previous models, which I thought were really cool, and I would have loved to have seen that aesthetic sculpted better. That it's just... For me, it's just a huge disappointment. Uh, see, I, I actually, I like the, I like the aesthetic, and I don't, I not for necessarily all of them, but I, I think they come across as like badass enough, and like I say, I've seen that aesthetic enough in punk it, it culture. It just reminds me too much of Sucker Punch. Yeah, but there's a lot of things in Malifaux that remind me of Sucker Punch, like not to mention the giant Gatling gun samurai. Um, which are oh yeah, we should probably give a shout out to Fuhatsu. 
uh, because we all know that that is Rich's least favorite sculpt. I was, I was going to say fluff. least favorite sculpt, least favorite fluff, um, and probably least favorite upgrade. And I'm upgrade that goes on him as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so thank you very much, guys, for listening. A bit of a different one this time. We're going to have three polls on the Facebook page. Uh, link is going to be down in the description. You should head over there. From now on, I think we're going to be doing more sort of questions within the group as to what what Soulstone cost we're going to be covering. We're going to be going back to that for a few weeks for certain. Um, but it's also just a constant conversation there. Discuss the choices we've made today. What do you think? Maybe you absolutely love Lazarus because you're blind? I don't know. Um, in the meantime, we if everyone wants to rattle off their Twitter handles so you can shout at us on there as well. Connor? Uh, at Insidiously Mad. Peter? At Peter Gordo. And I'm at Seb Humphreys. And I'm going to put Riches in the description because I can't remember what it is currently. Is it still at 50 Soulstone Beard? Uh, it's, at under, it's at Beard underscore Minis, I believe. At Beard underscore Minis. Uh, I'll put it in the description, whatever it is. Uh, thank you very, very much for listening, folks. And hopefully by next time I will have some coats in this closet so I'll be less echoey as well and we will see you in a much shorter space of time with back to the regular broadcast of a soulstone cost thank you very much for listening and bye bye shop at dark just a quick rundown of what all the choices were so you don't have to listen all the way back through for best worst upgrade we had peter with seize the day seb with i pay better and connor with recalled training and for the worst Peter with imbued protection, Seb with lead-lined coat, and Connor with nexus of power. For the best fluff, we had Peter with Molly, Seb with Dreamer, and Connor with Herodin. And for the worst, Peter with Mech Rider, Seb with Lady Justice, and Connor with Joss. And finally, for the best sculpt, Peter Soulporter, Seb Pigapult, and Connor the Old Metal Teddy. And for worst, Peter with Miranda, Seb with Lazarus, and Connor with the plastic Ronin. Thank you very much for listening. Have a lovely night.